episode 383, Words of Encouragement from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. (laughs) To boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so why is he was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Strangers and Aliens Podcast, a podcast about faith, fantasy, Christianity, science fiction, and all the fun fan stuff that we have going on right now in our pop culture. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I really want to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I want to talk about the themes that it made me think about, and honestly, some of the conviction that it made me feel, and there's hopefully some encouragement that it can give to you. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. As uh, things are just kind of offbeat and off kilter in everyone's schedule right now, between me, between Steve, between Evan, instead of waiting until we could get all three of us together and instead of waiting until Steve could even see the movie, I just decided to go ahead and record some thoughts that I had about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is going to be more of a devotional episode than a review episode. And spoilers will be talked about in this episode. I really believe this movie has a lot to talk about. And I have said before that one of one of the marks, not the only mark, but one of the marks of a good movie is that it sparks thought and it sparks conversation. And I know some people may not agree with me because a bad movie can do this, but I my argument against that wouldn't necessarily be that uh, this makes it a good movie. But if it sparks thought and conversation, I would say that it, it elevates the movie a little bit. You know, you can have a pretty awful movie over there that's just not great, but it sparks thought and sparks conversation and that makes that makes it as a piece of art something worth consuming if it creates conversations worth having. So this movie here, it's it's probably one of the most divisive MCU movies that I've seen. Uh, other MCU movies are generally liked or generally not liked. Uh the, the ones that are liked, they do have people who don't like them. They have their haters, to be sure. Uh, and the ones that are disliked definitely have defenders. There are people out there who really like and really appreciate and really enjoy Eternals. Uh, while the general consensus is that it, it's not great. You know, and, and we've talked about that on this podcast. I've talked about it on my Marvel podcast, Welcome to Level 7. And speaking of Welcome to Level 7, my uh, co-creator of the show and uh, former co-host on the show, Daniel Butcher, adores Iron Man 2, where I find that to be one of the more 
uh, boring movies of of the MCU. Meanwhile, I love Iron Man three, and I, I there are there are people out there who do not share that opinion. But usually on Marvel movies like this, the the, the wind blows in one direction. It's usually positive, and there is usually a a consensus on social media. But Doctor Strange and the uh, Multiverse of Madness, for me anyway, is not like that. I've seen more different opinions about this movie, and it's pretty balanced as well. But there's people who just don't like it, and then there's people who are just raving about it. But in between people who like and don't like, it feels like it's without doing any math anyway. Uh, it's kind of evenly balanced you know in my own podcasting hosting circles so if you're looking at welcome to level seven which is my podcast about the marvel cinematic universe and currently i co-host it with uh stewart and samantha and then you look at this podcast here strangers and aliens uh steve has not seen it but but evan has seen it between the four of us two people didn't like it very much at all and two people did like it quite a bit. I'm on the side of people who did like it. I liked it more after the second viewing though. And when I went and saw it with my with my kids and I liked it more the more I thought about it. And even after I recorded the episode of Welcome to Level 7 episode 375 if you are curious, uh even after I recorded that episode I kind of changed my opinion and had a little bit more appreciation as I just had time to sit with the movie and think about the movie. And the appreciation grew because as I was thinking about this movie and talking about it with friends, I, I just the the themes that were that I was thinking about just seemed to resound even more with me. And and so as that thematic appreciation grew, my appreciation of this this movie grew. I was thinking about the themes, and that's what this episode is going to be. If you want to hear a more thorough review than this will be, then yeah, go ahead and listen to Welcome to Level 7's episode about Doctor Strange. We still didn't get a chance to talk about everything because there is so much to talk about in this movie. And honestly, I won't be talking about like some of the most exciting moments because that's just not fitting into some of the thematic stuff that I want to talk to. And I don't want this episode to be a very long episode. I, I want this to be something that you can listen to, hopefully, and just gain a little bit of encouragement or I don't know if insight's quite the right word, but uh, just as I talk about some of my personal walk right now. So uh, I, I use this this thing I, that I created years ago where I talk about these quadrants. There's There's one quadrant, which is style, one quadrant, which is characters, one quadrant, which is plot, one quadrant, which is theme. So I'm going to blast through the first three of these. and I'm going to sit on theme for a bit. And because the theme, well, maybe I theme and the characters are pretty entwined together for me. So I don't Well, Let's just start with style and, and, and we'll see how it develops as I go along. Uh, when you think about style for this movie or when I think about style for this movie, this is definitely a horror movie by a director known for his horror movies. Army of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell, Dark Man, Evil Dead. Uh, what was the next one in that series? Oh, oh yeah, Evil Dead Two, uh, the Straight Story. So he's known for scariness, you know. Uh, but he's also known for his Spider-Man trilogy, which is a beloved trilogy of superhero movies and something that people of a certain age really look at as like just part of their, you know their youth and their childhood. But even if you were not a kid, when those movies came out, they were really appreciated by the, the film goers and it kind of revolutionized 
what a superhero movie could be especially regarding box office. And so it made lots of money. They made three movies and they changed the cinematic landscape forever or, or, or close to it along with other movies. Don't get me wrong. X-Men was definitely a part of that. And, you know, Blade, we, we can talk about the history of that later. Right now, it's important to note that Sam Raimi did those movies. And even as he did those movies, there were elements of horror in them. There's there's body horror and there's homages to classic horror movies and and things like that. Now, one of the reasons why I feel bad about doing this episode without Evan is because he made a statement in one of the threads that we are on together with uh, with with Facebook. And his statement was that he he truly hates Sam Raimi as a director. He doesn't hate the man. He just hates him as as director or he I can't remember the exact word that he used, but basically came down to. Sam Raimi, director, not like. <laughs> and I'd like to follow up with him on that and just see what he means because I I, I can't share that statement. I, I like Sam Raimi. I, I enjoy his energetic style, his quirky camera placement. I really enjoy the homages to old horror movies. Uh, Darkman is a movie that is not a great movie, but it is a fun movie. And, and a lot of that just has to do with just, I mean, the Danny Elfman soundtrack and... Liam Neeson, you know, there's just there's a lot of elements in that movie that make for a quirky, offbeat superhero movie that is probably one of many reasons that he was able to get the gig on on Spider-Man and also probably the gig here as well, if you're following the dots and everything. But all that stuff is on display here and especially with the homages, there's lots and lots of homages, not necessarily to specific horror movies, but to horror movie tropes and just just fun stuff there. But that style does lend itself toward uh, dark and oppressive feel. And if you even if you're getting beyond just the style, but you're getting to some of the content stuff, there are definitely some some things as far as content goes to be aware of, especially as you're talking about, you know, are you taking young children to go and see this movie or or not? And I definitely not recommend taking young children, especially young children who are sensitive to scary images. I didn't take my my youngest son because he is sensitive to to scary images and things like that. And that. That stuff turned people off, and that is very understandable. I mean, with with Wanda, you're moving from just she has a name of Scarlet Witch and moving into she is using spellbooks and actually being a witch. I can totally understand why people are saying be careful of this movie or saying stay away from this movie or saying, at the very least, they don't like this movie. It's totally understandable. I get that. But for me, I, I enjoy the style. I enjoy the energy, I enjoy the humor, and so on the style side of things, I, I like the movie. But that's not the most important thing to me, and, and that's style is not what's going to really grab me and make me say, oh man, I really want to watch this movie again and just consume it and, and, uh, and engage with it. Style is something that, I mean, I've talked about this before, but like 2001, A Space Odyssey, I would a Star Trek the Motion Picture. Those are two movies that they do their style just engages me completely. But then you have like Tron Legacy and other things like that where the style is 
off the charts. It's, it's there and it's amazing, but it's the kind of thing I would turn on really to be a background thing and, you know, more like a music video that can just be there in the background as I'm glancing around rather than, you know, engaging me with the plot and the dialogue and all that stuff. So speaking of plot, uh, for this, this movie, the, the, the story works. There's a MacGuffin, you know, and, and the MacGuffin causes people to come into conflict. One person wants it. Another person wants to stop them from getting it. And I've said this before, but there is really, to me, one plot in storytelling. Somebody wanted something and something got in the way. That's just how I would define story. I, I could philosophize more about it. I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. But as you're looking at this movie, all of the action revol- revolves around Scarlet Witch wanting something, Dr. Strange also wanting something and America wanting something. The three main characters are all driven by MacGuffins and those MacGuffins are all intertwined around each other. And then they create the central core for the, the plot to happen around That works for me. Honestly, the what or the MacGuffin is less important than than the how. And what I mean is the what as far as like, what are they trying to get? What's this magical thing that they're trying to catch or what's this whatever Um, that can be cliche if the how is not cliche. The how has to make sense. How they take care of the problem has to make sense. The how has to be creative and it has to be you know, somewhat original so that you're engaged and, and you're curious what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. But, you know, honestly, most movies you sit down to watch, you're, you expect it to go in a certain way. Good will win. We know that the how is what makes it interesting. Let's walk through the three main characters and talk about the hows of their MacGuffin and the themes that it raises. I don't even think I'm going to be able to talk about those three things, characters, themes, and and plot, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull them away from each other. So maybe we just take it character by character. I, I don't know. Again, we'll see how this goes. But first we have America. And what is driving America? Well, in this movie, I mean, she has her character motivation is that she's just trying to get back home, trying to find her parents. But in this movie, the whole idea is that she really wants to find the Book of Ashante and she does not want to die in such a way that Scarlet Witch can use her power for evil. So she wants to keep her power away from Scarlet Witch, and she wants to find this book that will allow her to, or allow Doctor Strange to stop Scarlet Witch. She also doesn't want Doctor Strange to to kill her. And then, like I said, eventually she'd like to find her parents. Scarlet Witch, uh, what's driving her? Getting her children back that she never had, except for in a dream that she created. So she needs to get America's powers in order to do that, in order to travel the multiverse and not just visit other universes. And there are some potential plot holes in why she's doing the things and the way that she's doing them. And I logically speaking, you know, couldn't she just find a universe where the kids are being raised by Vision, who is single because Wanda is dead in that universe? She could just step over into that universe and it's great. But she also has this whole idea of, and the way I described it to my friend Stuart was, she is being a preemptive helicopter parent in the sense that she is trying to get ultimate power so that she, when she finally does have control and 
have those children. She doesn't have to worry about them getting sick because in somewhere else in the multiverse, she can go ahead and just get the cure from there. And yeah, so they, they, they did some, I don't know. They did some plot and motivation gymnastics to get to the point where she is right now. But yes, if you look at things logically, she's not taking the best course of action. But then when you start looking at things from the side of she is human, well, we'll get into it. So Dr. Strange, what's driving him? He needs to stop the bad guy, Scarlet Witch, which means protecting America and finding the book. And for other Dr. Stranges, it meant potentially uh, being willing to kill America but not 616 Doctor Strange, which again, man, 616, 838 or whatever it was. Those are all so much fun to geek out about, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. So, and in that circle of conflict, it just feeds itself and it goes round and round and we swirl around that conflict and that circle revolves around the plot points. But here's where it gets interesting for me. And that's the themes that go into these particular plot points. You have a young woman who just wants to find her parents. And you have another young woman who just wants to find the children that she lost. I halfway expected this movie to end uh, when I first started watching it the first time. And I realized, oh, she wants her parents. Oh, she wants her kids maybe, you know, the chocolate and the peanut butter can mix together and and the, and the resolution would be she ends up kind of becoming a surrogate parent to America. I thought that's where they were going because those two things, now they do dovetail the 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 whole idea of she's lost her parents and experienced this the horror and terror of of losing them and and it dovetails together with what Scarlet Witch wants to do. But anyway, we have uh, and then we have Dr. Strange who just wants to help both of them, but realizes he probably can't help Scarlet Witch. So talking about America again, more immediately beyond the parent thing, she wants to stay alive. She doesn't have control of her powers. And while control does come quickly at the climax, and some might say it falls directly into the whole trope of Dumbo's feather, and the whole idea that the power was in you all along, that sort of trope. And it definitely does. Here's, here's the thing. It works. It happens quickly because it's a movie. But that doesn't take away from the truths that are expressed in in the scene. You see, she's alone as she's traveling the multiverse. And the one person that she's actually been able to create any kind of long-lasting relationship that we're aware of is Doctor Strange from another universe who ends up trying to kill her and then dies right in front of her because he needs to take her power and take care of things himself. And so he dies. And then when she finds someone who is dealing with his own soul-searching, which is Dr. Strange from 616, who we'll talk about in a minute. She's able to find someone who can kind of teach her, who can believe in her. She finds a voice that can speak into her strengths. And yes, I know it happens fast. That's the way storytelling sometimes works. Sometimes it has to happen fast because you only have two movies. But that doesn't take away from the fact that even though she gained such fine motor control of her powers it doesn't take away like i said from the truths that come from that moment because in that moment she was able to to believe in herself and and she's you know thinking less about the power and more about the moment uh she had been taken away from her own parents and so she she used that 
in the moment with Wanda to say, hey, Wanda, this is terrible, but I'm going to let you see just how horrible it is. I'm going to let you step into a moment that's just like the terror that I had happen to me when a bee scared me. And I love that this conflict revolves around emotion and it resolves emotionally rather than just punchy, punch, punch. Now there is some good punchy, punch, punch in that whole climactic scene, but for America, someone believed in her and spoke into her life when no one else was able to, and she didn't have anyone else. And so she listened to this voice that said, you have a lot to offer and you need to use it. You're the one who's going to use it, not me. And her skills and her experience and her wisdom were used to bring things to an end. And our young people need people who are that voice who speaks into their life and who says you matter, your experiences matter, your feelings matter, your wisdom matters, your skills matter. All these things matter and we want to grow them and we want to build on them and we want you to do awesome things. And uh, the best context for that is spiritually. I mean, you can take that and you can apply that really to almost any place, school, the workplace, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But people, young people need people doing that and speaking into them, not just young people. Honestly, everybody really needs it. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But that's what resounded with me. And that part of that is I'm a child, uh, children's pastor. I, I work with children. I speak to children. I speak to youth and I work with college students and, and helping build their, their skills and doing internships and stuff like that. And so when I saw that the second time, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is what that is. This is Dr. Strange speaking into her life and trying to encourage her to believe that she can do more than she thinks she's capable of. So whether or not you have a problem with how fast it happens, the truth of the moment, she can do more than she thinks she's capable of. That is valuable. And young people, old people, all people need to hear that message and need to listen to that message. So that brings us back to Dr. Strange. People say that he doesn't even figure into the movie that's named after him. It's Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but shouldn't it be called America in the Multiverse of Madness or WandaVision 2? And in some ways, yes, this is the final chapter of WandaVision. Although from what I understand, they made it and they had no idea except for small scenes of what was actually going on over in WandaVision as far as the director was concerned. But they say this movie is not even all about him. And I would say... Yes, but no. And actually, that's kind of the point of the movie for him. It's not all about him. His major theme, even though there's this whole thing about are you happy, which I've thought about a lot and I don't have a real good grasp on what they were trying to say with all that. I mean, Wong has his answer at the end and and uh, the second time through, I still didn't wasn't able to pull uh, right down the, the quote, but about, you know, how to be happy and that kind of thing. But anyway, for me, the real theme for him, and he's called out on it by multiple people, mostly people named Christine in multiple universes, is that he's the one who has to take center stage. He's the one who has to hold the scalpel. He dies in the first opening scene because he was trying to do it all. 
And in uh, Universe 838 or whatever it was, because he decided to use the Darkhold, he took it all on himself. He took the responsibility of the solution of the Thanos problem. He decided to use the Darkhold, take it all on himself. He took the responsibility. He took the consequences, but it was all on him. And the 616 Doctor Strange hands it off to America. He doesn't take her power. He doesn't take her life. He trusts someone else with the scalpel. And some would say, well, that's not a very strong thematic character climax to have when it's all about him. It's his movie. And I would say, no, that is a very valid uh, climax to his character arc in this movie. He doesn't just hand it off to her, by the way. He 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 doesn't just hand her the, the responsibility. He entrusts her with the scalpel. And then he speaks into her life. As we were saying before, he's the voice that America needed. He doesn't let her go through it alone. He doesn't take advantage of her. Now, Dr. Strange being the guy who has to do it alone and, you know, he's not doing it to be evil. He usually the motivation is to do good, but he also has to recognize as good as he is at what he does. It's not all about him. Life is not a game of solitaire. Unless you're Tom Hanks on an island with a volleyball and a, it, it's not a game of solitaire. And then we have Scarlet Witch. And for her, again, life was a game of solitaire. And this is the one that really got me. This is the one that um, I had some things that I learned by looking at the negative of what was happening and kind of exploring the, the themes of what was going on around her. So one problem I had when I first saw the movie, and I know other people had with it, is that Scarlet Witch already dealt with things in WandaVision. She had all her emotional things going on, and she dealt with it. She dealt with the loss of vision. She dealt with the family she could never have. She created a family with imagination, but when she did it, she hurt people. And and she stopped doing it, and she realized what she was doing was wrong, and then she goes away. And then with this movie, all that character development gets erased. And and I wrestled with this a little bit initially. As much as I liked everything else in this movie, this bothered me. But at the end of WandaVision, we see her putting up a facade and exploring the Darkhold. And then in Doctor Strange 2 here, we see her expanding that facade, and she's living alone, and it's a beautiful-looking place, and it's a pleasant-looking place, and it's an innocent-looking place. And she's all alone in this very good place, except that there's also the dark hold and it's not good. And this is where I'll be going back to the word voice, because what voice was she listening to? One thing in the welcome to level seven coverage of WandaVision that we did was that we brought up that she was going through everything alone. She was doing it all alone and she was dealing with it all alone. She was dealing with her grief. She was dealing with her anger. She was dealing with all of these things alone. A question that comes up when the world is being threatened in a solo movie is where are all the rest of the Avengers? Where's Superman when Batman is dealing with whatever? Where was the emotional support that Wanda needed when she was dealing with the devastating loss? That's the question I'm asking here. Where were the rest of the Avengers when she was suffering alone? And as she does this alone, what does she turn to? Who does she turn to? Does she turn to Black Widow? No, Black Widow would have been dead. So no, she couldn't do that. But does she turn to Stephen Strange? Does she turn to uh, Winter Soldier? Does she turn to the Falcon? Does she turn to these these friends? No, she turns to the Darkhold. And so then you kind of you look at what are the voices that she's listening to? And, and first and foremost, she's turning to 
intentionally turning to the dark hold, but then she's listening to these voices of the echoes of her past and the echoes of her loss and the echoes of her anger and, and of the grudges that she's holding and, and the echoes of her own emotions. And, and she's listening to her own entitlement and she's falling into that emotional trap that she fell into in WandaVision. And is it repetitive? Well, yeah, sort of, but it's more of an extension of the story than a repeat of it. Her resolution is that she realizes she's hurting people and must destroy the source. Scarlet Witch destroys the Darkhold. Is it too little, too late? Maybe, but that's not the scope of what I want to focus on here. Because, yeah, it's not... I mean, she murders a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. She murders a lot of people, and that's troubling as far as, like, is this does this redeem her? Just closing, quote-unquote, the book. But the whole point is that she, when she is dealing with all this bad, hard stuff around her, she's reaching inward to kind of an echo chamber of those negative things, which is what I, that's a trap I find myself falling into, is the echo chamber of my, I don't want to call them negative emotions because that emotions aren't necessarily negative, but the I, I, I can't think of a better word. So yeah, negative emotions. I find myself in a, a, an echo chamber of these negative emo emotions where once it starts, it's easy for it to just circle around and it just, it just becomes, you know, the, what is it? The serpent eating its own tail almost. So she, she's reaching inward, but then she's also reaching out to a voice that is not only evil. That voice doesn't care about her at all. It's just pushing her to do evil things. And this is where the logic gets wiped away. Yeah. Could she have found a better place? Sure, she could have, but she had to use the dark hole to do it. And the dark hole was not going to push her to think logically and to think compassionately. Uh, as I was thinking about this, this whole thing, I, again, this is where this becomes almost like a sermon. And yeah, so, you know, I, I, I really need to look at my watch and say, oh, it's almost time for us to get out here and you need to go pick up your children. Uh, if I was preaching this sermon, other me who's up with the children is getting upset because it's five minutes over and he's having to like do games with the kids to keep them occupied. But anyway, maybe think about um, Psalm, uh, Psalm one, actually blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted in, by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked man will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is her. She is the negative example here. The, the positive example is a tree planted by streams of water that's able to grow and it's able to weather the storm. You know, when, when the storm comes through and the winds blow, the roots are strong and the tree grows. But the wicked are like chaff. The wind just drives away. And that's that's kind of her right now. Is she's able to be just kind of pushed by the wind. The dark hold, I love Dr. Strange's line where he says she has a dark hold and the dark hold has her. And she's just swayed by it. And she does things she would have never done if she had thought about it earlier without the Darkhold sitting on her lap and flapping, you know, magical pages. But not only that, it's easy to listen to the voices in my own head and the voices that say, you know, oh, woe is me. And oh, lonely is me. And voices saying you have so little to offer or, you know, the self-loathing I was talking about, blah, 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 whatever. It's important to listen 
to those feelings so you can understand them, so you can grow from them, but not to let them control you. And so I've got these three different people that we're talking about here. And as we are talking about them, I have three questions that I want to ask you to think about because these are three things that I hope can be an encouragement to you. Question number one is what voices are you listening to? What voices are you listening to? And especially if you find yourself turning inward and, and, and having negative feelings about yourself and, and having anger or grudges that just grow and grow and grow, I would recommend, highly recommend that you just think about what voices am I listening to and then <laughs> cut out away. You know, that is one thing that Wanda did is she closed the book and she destroyed it. So no one else, she destroyed it in all universes even, um, but cut away those negative voices, pray for godly companionship, pray for your Sam wise to find you pray for uh, guidance from the Holy spirit, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but listen to positive voices, test the spirits and spend time in the word. All right. So that's, that's question one. What voices are you listening to? Second goes along with that. Are you going it alone? Like I said, you need to be praying for your Samwise to find you. Okay. Don't go it alone. You are not alone. Jesus said he's sending his spirit and, you know, so there's, there's that, but then there are people that, you know, God puts in our lives. And then finally, are you investing in others? And this is the whole, you know, Dr. Strange America thing. Uh, what voices are you listening to? That's Wanda. Are you going it alone? That's America. And then are you investing in others? Are you being the positive godly voice in other people's lives so they don't have to go it alone? So don't just pray that you would find your Samwise to be a good friend and to help you when you need help, but pray that you can be Samwise to others. And I know just a few episodes ago, although a few months ago, uh, just a few episodes ago, we talked about Samwise and, and, and that, but yeah. So that's all I have to say. What voices are you listening to? Are you going alone? Are you investing in others? All three of those questions are things where you should be talking to God about it, diving into his word, seeking the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that this is a word of encouragement for you. Uh, but it's kind of the word of encouragement that I have needed. And that's the one thing that I hate about being a minister <laughs> And that is that I teach these lessons to people and I have to listen to them too. And so often the Holy Spirit will use lessons that I'm supposed to be creating for my kids. And the Holy Spirit knew when I came up with the lesson outline months ago that as I step into actually designing the lesson that I was going to be dealing with that in my own life. And so that's what happened again. And so with that, I will close and I will say thank you so much for listening. And I will say, please find us on Facebook and join our conversation. You can talk to us by emailing us at studioavery at gmail.com. I would love to get messages from listeners so we could do a mailbag episode and just have you help us refine what some of our content is. Speaking of studioavery at gmail.com. If you like what you've been hearing, let me know. <laughs> Because, like I said, I'm going this alone right now and trying to work out with Evan and Steve how we can best come back together and do some things. But we're in different time zones now, and it's difficult. It's difficult. So, 
with all that said, again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending your time with me. And as you are traveling through the multiverse, I hope you are not traveling your multiverse alone. And I also want to wish you, as you step from universe to universe, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at strangeandalien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 Once again, thanks for listening. It's over!